Welcome to episode 105 of the Ask Chief Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing how to recover without just skipping the gym, how to fix a hip hike during deadlifts, and how to determine how many calories to eat each day. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right, achievers. It yeah. is a cold but sunny day in Boston. Cold but sunny day, yep. <laughs> um, we've had some frigid days, though, yeah. like, like five degrees, six degrees um, Fahrenheit, and it's been a... Uh, it's been pretty cold, but you know we haven't had all that much snow. We've and had like no snow. Not maybe that maybe we're jinxing. Maybe we're gonna get pummeled in February. But yeah. um, it's been weird. Um, but I guess not complaining either. I'm definitely um, not complaining. At least in the short term. Maybe in the long term with climate change. But <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Compl- not complaining to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> so concerned. Speak. I guess not complaining, but slightly concerned would be yeah. the appropriate uh, <laughs> way to express our feelings. Um, let's see, what's been going on recently? Nothing's been going on recently. Nothing not all that exciting. I mean, lots of stuff has been going on, but maybe nothing to report. Yeah, that's true. We're going to Florida in a few days. Um, we're going to, where are we going? Fort Lauderdale. Oh yeah, we're going to Fort Lauderdale, um, which will be fun. Yeah, we're traveling with our two best friends who have a one-year-old, or he'll, he'll be turning one at the end of the trip. Um, and so it's his first flight, Kendrick's second flight. Yeah. So we're all kind of new to this whole traveling with little ones thing. So it'll be uh, <laughs> our last vacation with our two, these two same friends was to Santorini and Athens, Greece. Mm. Um, and that was gonna, that this trip is going to be a little different. Just a little bit different. <laughs> we didn't Just... have any kids. We were free to do whatever we I wanted. I actually can't imagine having kids or if we had kids throughout that flight because it was, uh, what was it, 10 hours on the way back? Yeah, it was like 10 hours to Rome and then two hours to oh, yeah. Greece, and to then, Athens. And then there was like a two-hour like customs, like getting out of oh Logan situation that was brutal. It was the reason that we got ended up getting global entry. Yeah. We like applied to global entry basically in line <laughs> at customs that time because we were like, never again. This by is the miserable. Way, yeah, by the way, if you can do pre-check or global entry or any one of those two, like it is awesome. It really you is. just like... You just feel awesome just stro- strolling <laughs> through the pre-check line when there's like a long line on the other side. You're just like, but actually the, the first, I think like four or five times we had global entry, there were situations where like everyone suddenly had pre-check because like the lines were too big. They were like, everyone go through the pre-check line or something yeah. like that, right? And we are just like, what, what, what? But like we thought we were special. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, get get pre-check. Yeah, it's awesome. totally worth it. Um, all right, well, so I think that's all we need to update everyone on. Yeah, what's going on in our lives, <laughs> so we can get into the the questions. So we have three things for you today. The first one comes from Jay Judkins three, and they said, "How do you take quote unquote quality time off to recover? Need to need a better alternative than to just stop going to the gym." I thought this was a really good question because I think um, you know a lot of people will just be like, just don't work out, you know, like just don't. It's it's it'll be like telling a runner not to run. Mm-hmm. It's just like um, you know some people just have naturally a higher gear, higher energy levels, and they want to take that out somehow. And um, I think they're being very smart in that they realize that they can't just go hard every single time they're at the gym, but they could use some time to you know you just blow some energy and also do it in a productive manner. Yeah. Um, so I think there are just, there are plenty of options. And I think the, the thing to keep in mind is, uh, just kind of keeping RPE in mind. So rate of proceed exertion. And so in this case, if you want to truly treat it as a recovery type of situation, I would really try to get your RPE somewhere, 
uh, between, let's say, a four and a six. I wouldn't really go towards that seven and above um, territory. So somewhere between a four and six where you can do like a recovery bike ride, a recovery run, a um, just literally just a walk or a hike with your dog if you have one, like just um, just something along those lines in that range would be good. A yoga class. Yeah. Um, do you have any other options there? Those are the things I was thinking about. Or even just like a really light body weight circuit. That's true. Right? Yeah. Like it could just be you, like if you're normally lifting heavier weights and like you just want to give your, your body a break, your muscles a break and your joints a break, like just a body weight workout that where you're not going too fast, but you're still going through some movements that still feel good. You made it to the gym. You feel That's good true. about that. Um, so it doesn't always have to be just like not working out or not doing the same things that you're used to doing it can just be doing it at a much lower intensity yeah it's yeah exactly same thing goes for like a mobility circuit like you can do some stretches that you know that you need whether it's hip mobility circuit or upper back mobility or just total body in general um, that can really help as well in terms of getting your getting your heart rate up and getting your body moving but also doing productive things to ensure that you're getting uh, some good recovery benefits as well yeah um, and Kendrick just started crying, so we'll be we'll right, be right back. back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Sorry for the intermission. Um, so yeah, anything where you keep your uh, RPE in some somewhere between that four to six range. Um, I'd also keep in mind duration as well. Um, I would say maybe anywhere between 30 to 60 minutes is going to be sufficient. Um, you don't want to go too much longer than that unless you are prepared or adapted for that situation. But you know, you don't want to say like, oh. I was in my RPE for like a two to three because I was walking, but I walked 25 miles. <laughs> um, but 30 to 60 minutes is going to be pretty sufficient and hopefully um, we'll get you sane again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Question number two, uh, two part question about the same thing from Jonesy721. They said, uh, is deadlifting with a hip hike safe if not tips to fix the hip hike? And so what they mean by the hip hike, um, I'm pretty sure, is like when you start the deadlift, if your first movement comes from your hips raising up before mm -hmm. the rest of the lift happens. Okay, cool. Right? I'm glad we're on the same page because I think um, some people think of hip hike as like one side like tilting up to the to like the shoulder, right? Oh, um, that's, but, that is one way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, but um, I was definitely looking at it in terms of most likely they're talking about their hips shooting up um, a little bit early before they pull off the floor, right? Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, we've got a few different instances of, um, of like drills that we can use to kind of correct this. Um, so basically, you know, the reason why it's not optimal is when you're going to set up for a deadlift and you initiate and you push your legs into the ground and you pick up the barbell, what ends up happening is if your hips start to shoot up a little bit early in relation to your torso, what ends up happening is your, your hips lift up and your torso as a result has to come down and also shift forward. And when that happens, you sort of take your legs out of the equation. And when that happens, your lower back tends to take a lot of that stress. And so is it safe? Um, you know, I think it depends on, you know, how much like weight is on the bar compared to what your like total amount of weight that you could possibly lift. Um, and just like how aggressive it is. That's like true, Like if it's yeah. a little centimeter lift, like, yeah. it's probably not gonna be a big deal, but if it's really noticeable, um, then we would want to address it. Yeah, it could be stressful on the lower back, but yeah. in, in, inherently, it's like it's like not not like like oh my god, their hips are shooting out like that's going to cause pain. Where we're just like it's not optimal and could potentially down the line result in pain. So we just would rather address it up front. Yeah, right? and, and like you said, it's not optimal in terms of just like if you're looking to get stronger in the deadlift, it's going to hold you back from some potential gains there. Exactly. Right? So yeah. it's just going to like 
make it a little bit harder for you to continue getting stronger if you're continuing to do that. So might as well address it from both of those perspectives. Yeah. One of the concepts that we like to talk about for deadlifting is wedging. Would you want to go over wedging? Yeah. So wedging is sort of this idea of getting yourself into a like more tense sort of situation where with the deadlift, what you're going to think about doing is when you grab onto the bar, you're actually going to think about pulling any slack out of the bar. So you're pulling up on the bar, but keeping your arms straight. So your arms are locked out. You're just pulling up on the bar. And as you pull up on the bar, you're having your hips come a little bit lower as you do that. So it's kind of like simultaneously pulling up and dropping your hips. And you're going to feel that it just creates a lot of extra tension in your hips and in your hamstrings and your glutes. um, And just kind of gets you to the point where your body is almost just like naturally lifting the bar off the ground. Like you're not even thinking about doing it, but you're so tight that the bar just sort of wants to start floating up. Yeah. So the kind of like the imagery you want to think about is not necessarily picking up the bar with your arms, Mm -hmm. but rather wedging yourself between the floor and the bar. And then as a result of you pushing through the floor with your legs that you pick up the bar and your arms just kind of happen to be like the hooks that are utilized as a byproduct of lifting it up like that, right? Right. Um, We actually have a YouTube video um, that we made about this. I think we called it like one secret tip to instantly improve your deadlift. Some like cool flashy title (laughs) like that um, that I'll link in the show notes that gives you a little bit more like in detail, like more of a visual example of what it looks like. But when people say pull the slack out of the bar or get tension by like uh, by um, by pushing into the floor like like all these like random sayings like it's basically to wedge yourself in the right position yeah and so that's the first thing that we try to address try to teach them how to wedge themselves in position and then the other thing that you can do is practice kind of wedge holds where you wedge and you hold for 10 5 to 10 seconds or so and then you come up but you don't actually pick up the barbell you're just practicing the whole wedge situation Um, after a few weeks of that maybe you do the same drill where you wedge and hold, but you lift the barbell one inch off the floor and you hold it there. And you hold it there for, I don't know, two, three, four seconds or so, and then you bring it right back down to the floor and then you repeat again. So that way you're actually really working that specific range of motion where the hips tend to shoot up. You're really ingraining your kind of technique and your torso alignment during that stage. Um, And that can really help out as well. And then also like you might need to back off the weight a little bit and think about pulling a little bit slower initially to get your form down and then you can start to increase more and more speed um, as you get more proficient with this sort of technique. Yeah, it was definitely, that last point is exactly where I was going to go is I think that a a hip hike tends to be a result of trying to go too fast. Yeah. Um, So, and when you do get into like heavier weights and when you are a little bit more proficient in the deadlift and you have your kind of groove already greased and you already know how to like your your lift is like really solid yeah then you can start thinking about speed because Mm -hmm. that is going to help you to lift heavier weights but early on slowing it down is going to help you to ingrain that good pattern totally and if we think about speed too early we tend to get into some bad habits and Mm -hmm. one of those is definitely that hip hike um so yeah I, i definitely think that a combination of those holds like the wedging holds especially that one inch hold is really like that first inch is usually where the hip hike happens Right. Right, yep. So if you can practice that one inch hold with your hips staying down and without letting them shoot up, then 
the rest of the lift should feel much easier once you've practiced that. Yeah, and what you'll find is that when you do that one inch hold, or even when you do that wedge on the floor, you'll actually feel a lot of quad tension, especially for the, um, the conventional deadlift setups. And deadlifts are usually known as posterior chain exercises, but your quads are still involved to a significant degree. It's just not maybe less so than like a squat, for example. Um, and so by keeping your hips down, you get your quads a little more utilized. And so it might be helpful to also include more sort of direct quad work in the form of like lunges or squats, um, exercises like that that encourage more quad development. And hopefully that'll also transfer over as well. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. And then our final question is from Kamira 12 and she said, how to find how many calories to eat a day? Mm. Um, and so we get this question a lot and it's something that like we could just direct you to like a calorie estimator online, right? There's like a million of them. And even, um, precision nutrition has one. If you type in like precision nutrition, calorie recommendation, um, they have one that goes a little more in depth than most will. Like if you just type in how many calories to eat, you'll get sites that just say like, what's your body weight and what's your activity level? (laughs) <laughs> and they and they estimated on that. And activity level is usually the options are like sedentary, kind of active, <laughs> active, very active. It's like how do you even determine like I don't even know what I would choose. Yeah, that, I know. Right? Like, and also like eat? there's also some some calorie counters that are like just multiply like your body weight times ten or something like that, right? <laughs> it's just like just so so generic yeah. of a formula. Right. So there's all these different formulas out there. Um and what I'll say is that it's it's gonna give you a range like if you use them all you'll get a range of different options from like for if I were going to type it in for instance in all these different places I'd probably get a range anywhere from like 1500 to 2300 mm-hmm. um, calories a day which is a massive range yeah. but depending on how I decide to answer that day I could get something different so if I'm like you know what I think I think I'm moderately active I would put it in and it would give me like 1600 calories and then if I'm like yeah. no I'm very active like I changed my mind. I'm very active. It's going to be like 2,300 calories. Like <laughs> it's going to give me such a difference based on kind of an arbitrary statement. Totally. Um, and so what we would say is because of all of this and because every day is slightly different and every situation is different and every body is different, it's really hard to calculate an exact to make it into an exact science um, for each individual. And so we typically like to try to pull ourselves away from numbers and calories and um, weighing your food and all of these things that that make you a little bit um, like numbers obsessed. And we try to pull back from that a little bit and try to be a little bit more intuitive with our eating and think more about hunger cues, about fullness cues, about... um, asking yourself like the quality of food that you're eating and how often you're eating, like different things like that and doing a lot of trial and error. Um, I think the best thing that you can do for yourself in terms of determining how many calories you're supposed to get in a day is trial and error with just the, like kind of doing the same types of meals for an entire week. Yeah. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or a couple weeks. Um, so f- every breakfast, you're going to say like, okay, for the next two weeks, I'm going to have some form of like eggs and veggies and um, a piece of toast in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to have, my lunch is going to be um, like a bowl, like a burrito bowl kind of thing where it's like rice and some sort of protein and a bunch of vegetables thrown in. And then I'm going to have a snack in the afternoon. It's going to be like a protein shake after my workout. And then I'm going to have dinner, which is going to be like a 
a protein like salmon or chicken or steak with a, a carb like a potato or maybe rice and a bunch of veggies. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of like make this general plan. Don't make a strict plan <laughs> um, because a strict plan is going to get you in just as much trouble as trying to count your calories. If you're like, crap, I ran out of eggs. Like now what do I do? So have it just be a general plan, but about the same amount of food and about the same amount of each kind of food group for a couple weeks and see what happens and see if you, the result that you're looking for takes place. So whether you're looking for weight loss, maintenance or weight gain, see like the only way to determine if what you're doing is working is to is to measure um like, yeah just just be consistent be with consistent, what you're yes. eating yeah yeah and yeah and when you're consistent with what you're eating then you can start to formulate a picture of okay this is not going in the right direction i need to make an adjustment now you have a very clear like it's like a science experiment almost so you have a very clear marker of what to try to tweak and when we when you tweak something we recommend doing one tweak Just at a time only one thing so yeah. maybe you could maybe you know that you know your breakfasts are really on point you're very consistent there um and your lunch is kind of like somewhat inconsistent and your dinners are really consistent then you know what you can do is kind of modify your lunches to be more consistent whatever that might look like whether it's adding more proteins or adding more veggies whatever it might be um and then you have a very clear understanding of how that is impacting what you're trying to accomplish, right? Yeah, and this becomes a lot, like, it's a lot nicer of a way to look at, to, to try to do this because things are going to come up. So, like, somebody's going to, a friend is going to be like, hey, do you want to meet up for lunch? Yeah. And you don't want to have to say no because you need to be at home counting your calories. Like, <laughs> it's just so, and, or that you're going to say yes, but you're going to feel guilty the entire time because you're, it's thrown off your entire totally. week. So, instead, yeah. you can say Yes, and you have these kind of parameters around what you're planning on doing. So yep. if your parameters were that you're kind of doing this like mixed greens grain bowl kind of thing, then you know you can get like a salad that has some quinoa in it and some some protein and you're good. Like, yep. And you, you can just use those parameters that you've set when you go out to dinner or when something comes up. Um, but if you're so stressed out about getting this exact calorie amount, um, then you just start to stress about any situation that takes place that isn't perfect and nobody lives in a perfect world and nobody lives in this ideal like laboratory <laughs> yeah i think this is um and you know there there are a lot of diets out there that have come become a little bit more popular right you hear about like you know uh renaissance periodization you hear about keto and you hear about all these things that are very you have to meal plan very um systematically right and they clearly work. Like mm-hmm. if you measure out meals like that, it, it, it will work. The problem is what happens when, you know, a situation at work arises. Like you get fired or there's a major like ordeal where you suddenly have to pick up more shifts. And you can't, you don't have the time to start meal prepping all of your meals. Or something personal happens. And again, you just don't have like the mental like willpower to like just pick yourself up and make all these meals on a Sunday or go to the grocery store like all these situations happen and when this happens for a person that's in a very regimented situation it throws a wrench in the whole thing and when that happens things just start spiraling out of control right it's really tough to get back on track and so if you allow yourself a lot of flexibility in this regard then it just makes the whole situation a lot more approachable and a lot more digestible so that if like you have you're gonna go like you got an anniversary party your friends are going out of town and you want to support them like you can go and celebrate or there's a wedding you can go and celebrate and not feel too bad about it because you know that you can just go right back to your 
standard eating habits the the next day after yeah and so just to make it clear like this is coming from for me at least years of struggling with this um so this is not easy like this is still something it's probably harder to do this than it is to initially count calories that's actually the easier way to do it for about a week (laughs) (laughs) or a week at a time or a couple weeks at a time it's easier to say like okay i'm just gonna get really strict and and i used to do this all the time like all i want to do is lose five pounds so if i'm just really strict for the next couple weeks then i can just go back to like i can kind of get into a regular routine but i just need to do this for a couple weeks and lose that five pounds and then i'll be fine and like it just that just never works. That's why everybody's always trying to lose five pounds because <laughs> it doesn't work. And so it it took me a lot of time to come to this realization that first of all, eating doesn't have to be perfect in order to be what's right for you. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't eat in a way that I used to think, like how am I trying to say this? If I like myself 10 years ago was seeing what I ate now, I would be like, oh my God, you're going to be, you're going to gain all this weight mm-hmm. because it, because I allow myself to like last night we ate pizza yeah, and like if we had done that 10 years ago, I would have been in the gym first thing in the morning on the treadmill sprinting off my pizza and then I would have been like, <laughs> I can't eat anything for the next 24 hours because I had all my calories in pizza and instead this morning I was like, all right. Like, I'm going to go to the gym and do my normal workout like I do every day. I'm going to have a shake after my workout because that's what's going to help to fuel my recovery from my workout. Then I'm going to have a normal lunch and I'm just going to move on with my life. And that amount of, the amount of stress that I took off of myself about that whole pizza situation (laughs) is the five pounds that I was holding on to (laughs) that entire time. Right? It's like, there's, there's so much more that goes into nutrition and weight loss and all of this than just calories. Yeah. And I, I mean stress and lack of sleep and there's so many different factors that go into why somebody might be either struggling to gain weight or struggling to lose weight and I think the easy thing to do is just be like all right I'm just gonna start counting my calories and that's gonna be the solution yeah and usually it goes much 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 deeper than that and it's gonna have to do you're gonna have to do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of experimentation and I think that the using your next like using this approach as I'm just going to experiment. It allows you a little bit of, um, like it takes a little bit of the pressure off because you can just say like, okay, this experiment didn't work. I can move on and try something else as opposed to I failed at this diet or I wasn't able to stick to it. I'm such a failure. I'm never going to be able to do this. It's just gives yourself a little bit of grace basically when maybe something doesn't really work. Yeah. It just uh, reframes the situation to be the the diet or the plan or that experiment failed, not you failed, right? right? So right. I think uh, it's, 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 it's a huge mindset shift when you start to look at it like that. You yeah. Know? So it's hard because we can't give, like, it's a, it's a less satisfying answer probably for a lot of you out there who are yeah. hoping that we were just going to be like, have this many calories a day and you're good. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a very unsatisfying answer to be like, we don't know. You have to try a bunch of things and it's going to take a little bit of time, but that's just the reality. And the reality is if you allow it to take a little bit of time, that's when you're going to truly find what works for you. But if you're in a rush all the time and you're constantly trying to quickly lose weight or, or use all these quick fixes, um, you're never really going to find a situation or, or you're never really going to find a routine that fits your situation. And yeah. that's what's really important is that you need to understand what your life is and be able to adjust to your lifestyle and be able to make quick 
like adjustments to your diet based on whatever is going on that day and not worry so much about sticking to this really solid strict plan. Yeah. And I think uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about was we talked about this before, um, before in the podcast of like this whole notion of constantly dieting, right? Yeah. Like, and there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting physique goals and aesthetic goals and all that. Like if, if that's what you're looking for. Um, but it's, it can be really exhausting and mentally draining to do it all the time to try to continuously pursue this thing that, you know, as soon as you get there, most likely you're just going to move the goalposts a little bit further backwards and you're going to keep up that process. And mm -hmm. eventually you just get worn out, right? So what you can do is choose different pockets of time where you choose to be maybe a little bit more strict with how you're eating and a little bit more um, like a restrictive, quote unquote, um, if you want to attain a certain physique, whatever goals that you might have. And so, you know, the way I look at it for myself, like I know that in the winter, like I'm a little bit more lax with how I eat. And then in the spring and summer, I'm a little bit more, a little more strict with it. Um, that's just kind of like how I sort of naturally pace myself. Um, and so it, it, I think it's really important to not be always looking to restrict day in and day out, week in and week out, just month after month, because that yeah. just gets really exhausting. Yeah. Super draining. Yeah. So. So hopefully that helps. Yeah. And this is kind of <laughs> the reason. Hopefully you're not like, I hate you for that answer. <laughs> this is kind of the reason why we don't really talk all that much about nutrition, even though it's one of the topics that we say that we cover, um, <laughs> because it there's so much more that goes into it. And that's why we wanted to create so much, like this was, this was a very long answer because we wanted to cover just a lot of stuff that could like come out of this, right? Yeah. And we want to make sure that, you know, no one feels bad or no one feels like they're not doing enough, like all these other sorts of variables, we want to make sure that we take it into account because it's a deeply emotional topic as well as, you know, a purely scientific topic as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I believe those are all of our answers to your burning questions. Well, I, I accidentally put the emphasis on answers. <laughs> burning. <laughs> burning answers. <laughs> all of our answers to your burning questions. <laughs> um, if you have questions of your own and you would like to like, like for us to answer them, you can send us a message on Instagram at Achieve Fitness Boston. Um, if you like the podcast and you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review, we would be very grateful for that. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.